Welcome to the Rich Man Podcast with me, your host, corporate dropout turned seven-figure CEO in 18 months, Melanie Aubert. I'm a business coach that's determined to normalize women and wealth. We are completely ditching the old, outdated boys club way of running a business, and I'm teaching you the new way of attraction marketing, soulful selling, and wealth embodiment. Instead of marrying the rich man, we are the rich man. Get comfortable, get ready, and let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Rich Man Podcast. I am so excited to continue the money conversation with you. As you know, I love to talk all things money. Specifically, I love to talk about money when it comes to relationships, when it comes to beliefs, when it comes to what we've been taught to how to see money in society. And today, I want to talk to you about this money belief that came up recently that I had no idea even existed. I've been doing this money work for a couple of years now. And when I say money work, what I'm saying, what I mean when I say that is the money work is really dissecting my subconscious beliefs around what I believe to be true. You have been taught from your family, right? Your your ancestors, your parents, how you grew up. You had a what creates the 95% of your subconscious is your experiences. So what your parents did with money, how they managed money, how they handled money, how they treated money, how they talked about money, um, how they treated you when it came to money. Um, as young children, it, our parents will say to us, don't spend that all on one thing or or I'm going to put that in your piggy bank for you. And from a very young age, we weren't trusted with money. We weren't trusted at all when it came to handling money. And then the conversations our parents have in the background is money is the root of all evil. Money doesn't grow on trees. Like we have been, we've absorbed all of this and it's soaked into our subconscious. And then outside of that is societal beliefs around what, what wealth is, what money is, um, what rich people are like. And in society, especially women, we are portrayed a certain way. We, if we think about any any movie where the 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 main character is wealthy, they're typically an a hole. I think of The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I think of Devil Wears Prada. Meryl Streep is divorced multiple times. We have been coded to believe in our subconscious that wealthy women are divorced multiple times. They can't have it all. They have to choose between career or family. And, and we carry this with us. And when you're in entrepreneurship, when the sky is the limit, when you really break through all the glass ceilings that were traditionally available in corporate America or, or corporate jobs in general, you're able to see holy shit, there's a lot of things that I had no idea were floating around my subconscious until I started digging in deep. I was like, whoa, now I see the correlations between things, how we price ourselves, the clients that we attract, the launches that we have, all of that is tethered to what we believe is possible, what we believe to be true. We don't even realize it, but we have energetic minimums and maximums around money. Like you will, you will spend all the money energetically in your bank account to hit a certain number every single month. And this is even a subconscious thing. So even if you manage your money and know where your money's going, something unexpected will happen to bring you down to the number that you always hit. So it's really fascinating to see how money plays a big role because of how it has been coded in our subconscious. So I've been doing this work for quite some time. I'm actively diving in going, huh, I felt some way about that wealthy person or, ooh, this thought came up. I want to dissect it. But recently there has been, my husband and I have been navigating, we were navigating a new a new relationship. I think that when we think about retiring our spouses or when we think about 
making the, being the breadwinner of our relationship as a woman, we don't think about what it's going to be like in our marriage. And I know that sounds weird, but I was really excited when I was making seven times the amount of money that Matt was. I was like, quit your job, start your own gig, like do whatever you want to do because we have, we're so blessed to be able to live this life. Like there's no reason to work a corporate job. Like just do you. And he did. And he quit his job. And he went from being the breadwinner of our marriage, of our relationship for a decade. We've been together since I was 17. This man has helped me emotionally through all of this shit. He comes from a really good family and I come from a really, uh, my, my family lived in poverty, you know, drugs. That was my life. His life was the exact opposite. They all went to church. It was, we had two very different lives and, and he was definitely the one that, that kept me, that kept me going. He paid the mortgage. He paid the bills. I helped out here and there, but he made so much more money that it was just, my money was for the other things in our relationship. And so when we had traditional roles in our marriage, and then I'm starting to make seven times his his income, and I'm telling him to quit his job because he wanted to, and he quit his job, and now and our our relationship is flipped. Everything is different. Now I'm making the money. Now he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life, and with that comes a lot of fear. Many times when we see people in our lives, this could be parents, this could be friends, this could be your spouse, this could be your loved one, whomever it is. We get a little upset when we when we don't understand why they don't understand what we're trying to do. When they're trying to keep us safe. An example of this is we're buying our second house. And when I'm I'm looking at houses and we're doing all the house stuff and all the money and taxes and all the things, my husband's very afraid and he'll say things like I don't you know, maybe we should wait or maybe we should do this and initially I get aggravated. I get aggravated and go, I don't understand how you don't understand that like we we're, we agreed doing this and, and we're doing it. And many of us get upset as uh, to to the loved one and say like, why don't you just get it? Why, why are you holding me back? Like, why can't you just let me fly? And we forget, and I have to remind myself of this often, is they're trying to keep us safe. And I forgot that my husband, his identity in our marriage was he kept me safe. He protected me. And when he couldn't protect me financially or or via paying the bills or being the traditional husband in, in our marriage, when all of that, his identity was washed away, the only thing he knew how to do was keep me safe. So that to him was, okay, if she wants to dream really big, I'm just going to keep her grounded. And not in a way of like, it's a, he's threatened by my success or he's not happy for me. He loves me so much that that's how he wants to show his love. That's how he knows. That's the only way he knows how to express his love to me is by doing that. So when our relationship was flipped on our head last year, when he had quit, it, we spiraled. I, we, we had, we began to keep, compete for al alpha. Like I enjoyed being the breadwinner. I enjoyed paying the bills. I enjoyed taking care of him. I know that might sound weird, but I actually enjoyed it. But he also enjoys that. So he's also trying to make money. He's putting the stress on himself in the stock market to make money to then provide for me. And we had this subconscious competitive nature between the two of us. And our relationship became more of like, no, let me show you how I'm going to do it for you. And there was no more, there was no more partnership. There was no more uh, dreaming big. There was no more, oh my God, you should go even bigger with your goals. You should do this. It was very much a, we were no longer teammates. And, and again, it came from a place of love. It didn't come from a place of, 
I don't want the best for you. It's I want the best for you, but I also want to protect you. And I think sometimes we don't realize that the people in our lives who who will say things like, and you might have experienced this with your parents or, or, or your friends when you wanted to quit your corporate job or you quit your job to start an online business, they might have been like, uh, what about insurance? What about taxes? What about blah, 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 right? And they don't mean it to be like, uh, what are you doing? But we have been taught that life should be a certain way. We have been taught that you get a good education, you go to college, you graduate, get a good job, and you retire. That's what we have deemed safe in our lives. So whenever we deviate from that path that has been laid out before us from generations before, whenever we deviate, it shakes people. It's a, I don't know what to expect when you enter that realm of things. Like we don't know what comes after there. And you'll typically find the people who have the most to say about it. The people who are scared for you are the ones who don't even, aren't even in this world. Like the people who, like my husband, my family, some of my friends who are like, uh, what are you, when I first quit my job, they're like, uh, that's like really stupid. What are, like, what are you doing? You have a great job. And it's because I was deviating from the traditional path, right? It, to, to them, it was so unsafe, but to me, this was safer than working in corporate America. So back to my marriage. I wanted to dream big. I wanted him to dream big with me and I didn't communicate this with him. But what I thought to myself is what if I'm outgrowing my marriage? What if he's not adapting with me? What if he doesn't want this? What if? And I was scared and I said, I don't want, I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to. And mind you, this is all in my head. None of this has been expressed to each other. We're just kind of existing and acting in these roles um, so I felt, you know, I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose our marriage. I don't want to lose us. I love our marriage. I love our relationship. I choose him every day. It's, it's, and I, and I love to say this because I think that we live in a society where, um, a lot of people marry for money and a lot of people marry for that security. And I, I don't need Matt for any kind of money, but I choose him. And I think that's even a more powerful testament to love than marrying someone because they provide safety. Anyway, so I was so fearful of outgrowing the man that I loved that I shrunk. I stepped out of my power. I was too afraid of playing bigger, so I became small. I secretively blamed him. If my income months didn't change and I was just at the same income month I was the month before, I blamed him. I'm like, only if he was more supportive, only if he jumped as big as I did, only if he encouraged me to go even farther, I'd be it'd be different. I began to plant seeds of resentment. And because we never sat down and had the actual conversation about what roles we play in a marriage and what I need from him and what he needs from me, we never had that conversation. We kind of just kept scooting past it. I never told him how much I missed our partnership. For, I mean, my whole life when I was living out of my car, Matt was the one person that was like, you're going to be a boss one day. Like he always said that to me. He's like, you're going to own your own business. I could just see it. Like he predicted this. And he always, when I wanted to quit my job, he was like, yeah, like do it. And he, I missed that. I missed that, that encouragement because he was always in my corner. And, and I, and he never told me how much he just wanted to protect me and how his role as a husband was to keep me safe. And because he didn't know how else to do that, it was via hey, I don't think you should do that. Or I think that you should be a bit more modest. Or I think that you should, you know, maybe aim a little lighter. Or I don't think we should buy a second home or a third home or a fourth home. And 
it all came to a moment of, do you still want this? I think every relationship and every conversation that's not had eventually leads to the conversation of, do you still want this? And when we had this conversation and it was, uh, I'm a big crier and I'm crying because I, I want to explain to him what I need in this marriage. He understood. And we had the conversation. We sifted through all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the, all the intention behind our actions. And we course corrected. I do this work, as you know. I had no idea that success scared me until I realized this. I didn't realize that I was playing it safe in my business because I was scared of, of outgrowing my marriage. I didn't want to price myself higher or launch even bigger or welcome more clients when I was scared my husband would be like, who the fudge are you? Like, who is this woman? I was so afraid that he wouldn't recognize me anymore that I stayed small, priced small, launched small, set goals small. Deep down, right, I was scared of making more, doing more, and losing my marriage. And I, I didn't believe that I could actually have it all. And again, this is the subconscious programming that we see from from society that we we can't have it all. We can't have the family. We can't have the success. We can't have the clients. We can't have the finances. We can't have the multiple houses. We can't have the marriage. We can't have all that. There's no way. There's no way you have to choose. And subconsciously, when I chose, I chose my marriage. I didn't choose my business. I didn't choose myself. I chose my marriage. And I'm here to tell you that I decided to be a match for it all. My husband and I found a common ground and we worked through and created new roles in our relationship. I had to reaffirm to him that he does keep me safe. He does protect me. He is the provider. It just looks different. And just because we don't have a very traditional marriage in society doesn't matter. Like it doesn't mean anything and that he still means everything to me. So in your, in your life, in your business, in your relationships, you are holding and carrying a lot of money coding, a lot of fear around success, a lot of fear around money. We believe that whenever we have a desire, desire to do something, to make something, to have something, that is not by accident. It's already yours. If you can think it, it's yours already. If you can believe it, it's yours already. It just hasn't oscillated yet. It hasn't created itself. You don't, you're not tangibly holding it, but it exists. It's already yours. And many times when we have a desire to do something, to be something, to have something, we try to dumb it down or we try to lessen it like, oh, pff, a million dollar business a year. Ew, that's, I mean, I desire that, but that's way too high. Like I should start first with like 500K. And we do these things and we play these games in our brains and, and, and our subconscious is who we were. Our subconscious is the beliefs that we carry of who we were and who we're becoming, well, who we choose to be, what we choose to have, our subconscious begins to, to, to chatter a little bit. When you decide to have a million dollar year, your brain will go, well, you've never done that before, so it probably won't happen. Or how do you think you're going to do that? Or um, you physically can't, you have children or your brain will start to freak out. And again, this is because you're deviating from the predictable path. It's so cool when you're in the online space, when you, when you have your own business, when you begin to achieve milestones, when you begin to, to blow your own mind, when you begin to make the 20 K, the 50 K, the 80 K months, the hundred K months, 200 K months, Eventually, 
those numbers become predictable. Like we do not go below 60K a month ever. Like that's just predictable. But when we desire to have 100K months, our brain is like, but how are you going to do that? You know, it's because it's not predictable yet. It's unknown. It's we haven't been there. And it's so important for you to, to, to dive into your subconscious and see where these, these beliefs are coming from. Again, what did your family believe to be true when it came to money? What did your, what did society, growing up, how did you judge rich people? What did that look like? And when you think about a traditional marriage, when you think about a partnership, what do you desire to have? What are you afraid of having? What are you afraid of not being able to hold? Do you believe you can have it all? When you start to sift through all of these and decide to create a new truth, a new belief, that's when you begin to change who you are and what you attract. Everything has a match vibrationally. Everything we do equals something. Everything we believe attracts something. We're always attracting something, whether it's something we don't want, something we do want. We're always attracting something. My whole life, I was attracting everything I didn't want because I didn't know that I had the option to attract things that I did want until I learned how to do it. I learned how to attract a better, uh, a better marriage via conversation and, and looking at what I was afraid of happening and going into my subconscious and saying, okay, what do we believe to be true here? If you want to change relationships, if you want to change how much money you're making, if you want to attract more money, be a magnet for abundance, you have to look at the things, the subconscious beliefs that make up 95% of your brain. Use your 5% conscious mind to do this. And look at what's the money coding that I'm carrying? What am I a match for? What do I want to be a match for? Because if you're a match for or say you want, let's say a million dollars, million dollars a year in your business. Awesome. Totally doable. People do it all the time. Someone broke the four minute mile. Now everyone gets to do it. We get it. It can happen. We've seen it. We see it happen all the time. What we're carrying though, that makes us not a match for $1 million is this belief that we have to hustle, that we have to work even harder to make a million that we have to give up everything to make more money. We see this all the time in, in society. We see this in the movies. We see this in maybe even in your family, right? When it comes to if your parents had had money, did you ever see your parents? Things like that to consider. If we don't believe or we believe that what's required to get there is something that we don't actually want, right? We don't want to hustle. We don't want to give up our life. We don't want to do this. Do you think you're able to be a match for it? There's a mismatch, right? Energetically, you don't want to do those things to get to a million. So to you, you're like, ugh, there's no, there's no equilibrium when it comes to what I want and, and how I have to get there or what I believe is, is necessary in order to get there. So you have to decide, okay, this is my goal. Here's what I want. I want to clean up my subconscious. I want to go in and see what I believe to be true. If you're interested in this work, Magnetic Money Moves is what we do. It's a six-week money boot camp. And I literally walk you through how to clean up space energetically and sometimes physically, like clean up the space around you to, to make room. Um, and how to and how to kickstart this, how to really dive into what you believe to be true. Because again, if you are only remaining the same who you were subconsciously, it's impossible to change and become who you want to become. Because your thoughts become your beliefs become your actions. And each time it's like the same algorithm over and over and over again. There is no change unless you go back to the coding 
and you update the source. T. Harv Eker had this phenomenal example when it came to the subconscious work and the importance of it. And I, and I might've put this in a previous episode, but it's so good. You can hear it twice. When it comes to the manifestation or the hard copy of what we desire to have, what we do is we type up on a Google doc, let's say what we want to have. And we make a list and we're writing it all out and we're telling the story and all the things we print it out. The printed version is the hard copy, but we realize, oh shit, what I got just now, there's a typo and it's not exactly how I wanted it to look, right? Whatever we manifested wasn't exactly how we wanted it. So we want to make an update. What we do is we try to change the circumstance or the hard copy, the manifestation. So we take an eraser and we try to erase the ink on the page. Now we can't correct it that way. And what we'll do is we'll buy a bigger eraser, we'll buy programs on how to erase better, and we'll sit there and we'll spend all of our time on the hard copy, on the manifestation, on the outcome, on the what is right now. But you know, in order to change the typo, just go back to the source, go back inward, go back into the programming and update it. What you are experiencing every day is a byproduct of what you believe subconsciously. Yes, there's a co-creation factor in what you are doing. That's one piece of it. But what you believe will always dictate how you act. This is why many of us, we self-sabotage. We have a big goal. All of a sudden we get sick. We have a big goal. All of a sudden we um, decide to sleep in. All of a sudden, and all these things start to happen because we're not going in to change. We're trying to change the hard copy. We're not going in and changing the subconscious behaviors and thoughts behind it all. In MMM, I show you how to do this. We walk through it together. And it's so funny because uh, the students inside will say things like, well, $50,000 or $15,000 just appeared or like, oh my God, someone just bought. And this is the energetic frequency. When you're changing the tune in which your subconscious, what is playing, you attract different. Again, thoughts, beliefs, actions, all of it is attached to one another. I like to believe that I don't need money. Money needs me. Money needs me to spend it, to activate it, to do things with it. Money needs me to do that. But if I'm not aware that I'm fearful of my marriage being ruined, if not, if I'm not aware of the belief I have around rich people and how icky they are, if I'm not aware of all of these things, the idea that I have to hustle and give up my family and do all these, like, I don't want that life. So you have to go in and see what your subconscious believes to be true because your subconscious, your programming will always produce the same kind of hard copy. That's why most of us don't change because we never go inward. We never dive into the ethers of ourselves and we just assume that we have to work harder, play smarter, be more efficient. I see far too many people give up because they realize that's way too difficult. Pushing and pushing and pushing and put It's exhausting. No one wants to do that. The best part about magnetic money moves and the work that I do with my students around money is, think about this for a moment. The students inside that program, everyone that comes after them is going to see money differently. Every single person after them will see money differently because they chose to change the subconscious programming they have around money. So the money codes that they inherited their children won't inherit. They'll inherit different money codes. They'll inherit money codes of anything actually is possible. And a rich person gets to look however I want them to look because I get to decide. The money work is absolutely fascinating. And again, whatever you're dealing with, if it's, if it's spousal issues, if it's 
relationship issues, if it's just lack of support systems, whatever it is, I encourage you to, to do this work. Again, in business, it's not always about business. If I'm honest, business is actually the easiest piece of all of this. The subconscious piece is the hardest part because what you believe to be true always trumps everything, right? So if you're interested in joining Magnetic Money Moves, we are opening up pre-sale today, this week. Um, the week of February 21st, we are opening up our doors at pre-sale. If you want to get in, I'm going to put a link for you in the description box. Um, and MMM is always open, but we open it every now and again at pre-sale. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to join us inside. If this year is a year that you want to change your relationship with money, change what you're attracting, change how you see money in your business and how it's affecting your business, change your, let's say your marriage or your relationships with friends, family, whomever, when it comes to the money conversation and how to know if your spouse or who you're with just isn't supportive at all. There is a difference between the two. If you're interested in this work, if you're tired of erasing the hard copy and want to manifest something different, want to attract something different, want to see abundance different, this program is for you. It's phenomenal. My favorite program of all time. For a limited time, we are actually hosting a VIP version of this, a four-week money uh, money mastermind. So that the details will also be on the sales page as well. All right. I love you. You smell nice. You are beautiful. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, dive into the ethers. 95% of you is running the show. Can the 5% of you decide what you want to carry with you into the next, who you're becoming, next phase of your business, of your life, what you want to do? Only you decide that. I love you. And I will catch you in the next episode of The Rich Man Podcast.